0: Welcome back to another episode of Podcasts and Color of the Podcast. I'm Barry Lover of Podcasts. This is a super late episode, but it's here. This episode will be on podcast tips, questions I receive a lot, and things I think others should know so you can make better decisions about your podcast. So if you make a podcast, this will be helpful to you. If you don't, I can understand on skipping this episode. But if you know someone with a podcast that has questions, I do think this episode will be helpful. And if you're listening and you share this episode on social media, I would love if you include the hashtag pods and color pod so that I could find it and like it because I will find it and like it and maybe repost it and that sort of thing. Use it in your Instagram stories and I will watch your Instagram story. That's the same with pods and color when you're sharing your podcast or a podcast you're a guest on. And that's the same with pod in when you're listening to a podcast. I love watching all those Instagram stories, seeing what people are listening to. I love the shots of people's car radios because it just shows that you're in motion and that's how we all are. Um, so just letting me know um, what you're listening to on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, using any of the hashtags. I do appreciate it. Pods in color pod when you're listening to this podcast and then pods in color when you're just sharing podcasts you like, your podcast, podcasts you're a guest on and then pod in when you are listening to a podcast, when you're checking other people out because it is a p- because it is important to support other podcasts as many as we're creating because that's how we grow thank you for all who have been buying merch of course I'll put in a merch link in the episode notes so if you would like a podcast shirt or jacket or pullover that is all on there even a long sleeve shirt just so people know you're listening to a podcast and you would like them not to talk to you because that's what I'm all about (laughs) um First, I'll start with a few podcast tips that I love. Episode notes. I will link to a few different episode notes that I love in the epi- in my episode notes. <laughs> in episode notes, I look for what the podcast is about and social media links for the podcast, and if there's a guest in the podcast, social media links for them also. I think the future of podcasting and it's already showing in some of the newer apps is that search in podcast apps are going to search podcast episode notes um, to help more discovery as we grow. So if you're already ready, you don't have to get ready when we see that feature coming out more and more some of the things someone will search and you want them to find your podcast under those search terms and think about including those in your episode notes this is a long game in a new media so thinking of things that will help you in the future i believe or you know how most of the people that will be successful in the future will be successful First, I'll start with a few podcast tips that I love and that I repeat a lot. The first one is going to be on episode notes. And of course, I will link some of my favorite um, co- examples of episode notes in my episode notes. I look for what the podcast is about and social media links for the podcast. And if there's a guest, social media links for them also. I think the future of podcasting, and it's already showing in some of the newer apps, will be and podcast apps are going to search episode notes, as discovery is more work done. So you can think in terms of what someone will search to find your podcast or what terms you think that people will search to find your podcast and make sure those are in your episode notes. This is just like SEO on Google. And of course, Google Podcasts is in the game now. Think about the things that someone will search and you will want them to find your podcast. Like T with Q&J is always talking about that they're a womanist podcast. So I remember when I was a guest on their podcast, I would say that would be something you would Google to see if that you're coming up if somebody says, oh, I'm looking for a podcast that does that is that something you come up on the first page so it's really about like podcast seo dealing with episode notes like will people be able to find you from the information in your episode notes in the future and as more podcast apps deal with discovery and searching you know episode notes will that help you be found because we're all about being found for my number two it'd be a good social media profile I love one that has an Android and iOS link in the profile. You know, link trees are free people if you do have an Instagram account and a link tree will let you put a bunch of different links to a bunch of different places. So you could have Apple, Android, Pocket Cast, CastBox, Radio Public, you know, all the different links of where someone could be listening so they can find your podcast or a link that they can use on their phone for your podcast. My next tip would be Google your podcast name while you aren't signed into Google. This is something I do. I always sign out and then I'm searching things in Google. So it's not just saving the things I search and giving the things that they think I want to see because I've Googled it before. You would be surprised with how many podcast names you can search on Google, Twitter and Instagram and not find the podcast because they are using a quirky name or an abbreviation of their name or there are tons of people with the same name or a name close to it. Oh, you're also going to want to search an Apple podcast. <laughs> I've noticed that there's people that don't get the information that they put into where they host their podcast, that that RSS feed that they're putting into iTunes connect. It's just reading that information and regurgitating it to other people. So they'll have their podcast name in the information, but it won't be in the correct place. So what people are supposed to search in Apple Podcasts will sometimes be their personal name or the name of their brand, but not the podcast. So it's something to search in Apple Podcasts and what do people need to search to find my podcast in Apple podcast? And once you know that, that's something you can say. If you're an Apple podcast, you're going to search podcast in color. I love being able to say no matter what, if you're on Google, if you're in a podcast app, it's all podcast in color to find a content from me. And I also make sure to go in those different things and search it to make sure that I am coming up under those things. You're not searching it. And then I'm next to you like, wait, oh, wait, do you, what do you search to find me? Hold on. I'll just send you a link. No. How do I find you? That's that should be easy. And if you're not easy to find, your podcast is not going to get bigger. So that's just something thinking in your head. Are you easy to find everywhere? Are you easy to find and is it easy for you to tell people how to get to you? So if you're thinking in terms of steps, think about how many steps you would take. If somebody tells you over three steps to find them somewhere, are you really going home and saying, I'm going to find do the 10 steps that it takes to find that person or what I might need to do and then follow back up with that person? So just something to think about. Okay, next is how to listen if you have a website. So, and this is something not a lot of people have. I've seen it on a couple of different websites and I'll include episodes, I'll include examples in the episode notes. And this is for if you aren't bringing new people to podcast, your podcast is not going to grow. Every huge podcast has people who listen who barely know what a podcast is, but they listen to that show. I really liked what renee had to say about growing a podcast using the receipts podcast as an example and i'll play that clip here
1: they gave you a show that does that on records it's something that you want to listen to you want to be part of it and you want to share it and so you hear it you make you laugh and you share it they've found a niche in that and they've found a podcast audience that didn't know they liked podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> They've got an audience that just had SoundCloud that would just press play on something that they were like, this looks interesting, let me press play. Before you know it, they're listening to a podcast, they're sharing a podcast, they're subscribing to a podcast, they're communicating, they're taking part in conversation online. And that's what's kind of, that's what makes a podcast successful. You can have the big brand, you can have Apple like put you on the homepage and things like that. But does that convert into big longevity of people talking about you online and wanting to hear your content no it's about the hosts and pushing and pushing and pushing so
2: consistency cadence with publishing yeah. and promoting yeah. yourself yeah and you mentioned yeah. Twitter as a platform. Twitter,
1: Twitter is a good one. I'm not on Facebook, so I don't know how that works anymore. Right. <laughs> but um, Instagram's a good one. Any social media, just mention the podcast, talk about it. Anywhere you can encourage conversation. Um, it is super hard to grow a podcast. Um, people are still trying to figure out how. Mm. But it's about finding a niche audience and making sure the audience that you want to target have it in front of them. Right. Which is the one of the hardest things because half the time you want you know what audience you want, but you don't. Know how to get it in front of them or you've just gone it's for black people. Yeah. <laughs> um that you know that's we're all the same, are we? <laughs> yeah. You're but, not same. Yeah. Black, exactly. the same. We're both black, but we're people. exactly our yeah. interest the same because we're black. Of course.
0: Um, and that was from Black Ticulate and I'll link of course in the episode notes. <clears throat> Going from that, um You know that I love hashtags and um, the Receipts podcast, of course, does use a hashtag. They only have a Instagram account as far as having social media. But I really do believe hashtags are easy because to me, when someone adds you, it can be confusing on if they're looking for a response or if they're just posting about your content and wanting to direct others back to you so that they can listen to your content also. And here's a clip for Phoebe kind of explaining how
3: hashtags works for the Receipts podcast and how it's helped them grow. But one thing i will say that i think has really contributed to the success of the receipts podcast that people don't really think about is hashtags that's what we use on Twitter. we don't even have a uh, twitter account right All of us have our individual Twitter accounts and then we use the hashtag to speak about the podcast. And I think that really works because you don't have to at anyone if you want to talk about the podcast. You just write your tweet and then you put the hashtag in and then everyone can see it. So I think, you know, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and I often see people speaking about the podcast but i can't find those conversations because they're written at the handle instead of having a hashtag that everyone can go in and everyone is used to going to and tweeting about because if you introduce a hashtag like halfway through people are used to adding you so they'll just continue to do it and so no one has ever been able to add any receipts handle because we don't have one
0: And that was Phoebe, as I said, and that was another clip of Black Ticulate. and she used to be a co-host of the Receipt Podcast. She has since left the show. Hashtags are great because they give fans a place to connect on social media, and that can be any social media platform without the podcast necessarily needing to have an account on that service. Also on Instagram now, hashtags are something people can follow. Also, if you're on Instagram, now hashtags are something people can follow. And if people use them in their own Instagram story, it creates an Instagram story under that hashtag that anyone following the hashtag sees. So another good way to spread information about your podcast if you can get people to follow a hashtag or use that in their stories so that other people are able to click on it and see what's going on with that hashtag, leading people back to you. You can also Google hashtags and tweets come up. And Instagram, I believe, is like usually the third or fourth link if that hashtag is being used on Instagram for you to check out what people are doing with that hashtag on Instagram. So that's Twitter and Instagram that are right away. If somebody says, let me Google to figure out what this hashtag is about, that will lead people back to your content if you're using a hashtag and making sure that it leads back to your content. I personally don't want to follow every podcast host, even though I'll love their podcast. It's just not always for me, the content they talk about all the time. So a podcast hashtags kind of give me a connection to the host because my favorite hosts um, do, of course scroll, read, and respond under their podcast hashtags. So I don't necessarily need to follow them and they don't need to follow me for us to talk about their podcast. And how cool is that? I love it. You know, with the Receipts podcast, with Insecurity, with T W Q and j you can search these podcast hashtags. You can see other people talking about it and talk to them and respond to them because they're having fun with the content. And also the podcast um, hosts will interact with you under the tag and mention it so that you can find other people. So it's just a whole circle of things. That kind of keeps you involved in the podcast 24-7 and you know you can find people talking about the podcast. That's one of a big thing for me. There's a new podcast called <laughs> Don't At Me with Justin Simeon. I think I said his name correctly. But because of how the show is, is don't and they use an at, it it's not able to have a hashtag. So I haven't been able to find anybody else listening to the show. I'm sure people do. But to me, part of the podcast listening experience is to be able to find other comments about the show and be able to find other people that I might be able to talk to or tweet about and say, Do you listen to this? And when I can't find that, it's really hard for me to get into a new show. So one thing you'll notice about popular shows and so- shows that grow big pretty quickly is you'll see a lot of chatter about them on different social media networks. And it's not always a podcast. it's listeners connecting and just talking about the podcast and to me that is a big thing when making sure that listeners can talk about a podcast and find each other talking about podcasts here's a clip from call your girlfriend giving information about ad cells, and this starts with gina talking and then you hear Anne, and then
4: you hear amina tell um, my recollection is that from the first, when, around the time we left the first network, we had in the range of 50,000 weekly listeners.
5: Which is for people who are like, I want to start a podcast and make money. It's like, I feel like that is. As I understand it now, kind of like the minimum threshold for getting someone interested in selling ads on your behalf. Maybe it's a little bit less than that. Yeah, I think
6: like we that know we know podcasts who are smaller than like way smaller than that that sell ads, but I think that like in general, but, that's a good. But CPM they have institutional like, affiliations.
5: Yeah, that's fair. Well, no, so I think them. really. Okay. Yeah. so we'd been going for at least a year I think when mm-hmm. we had this these conversations and had about 50,000 listeners an episode yeah. roughly yep. or so we thought like the numbers are all this is the thing about podcast numbers where Amina is totally right is that they're all kind of a scam and no one really knows how many people are listening to anything with any degree of yeah it's super it's super nefarious
0: and you know
6: it's like <laughs> but it really is
0: since then, since this was recorded, um, the numbers of podcasting have gotten a little bit easier because of the IAB and they're kind of rolling out guidelines and people are attempting to follow them. And being IAB compliant is a thing. And so basically, they're hoping that with more rules in the space and what people classify as a download and a listen, different things like that, it will make it easier for more advertisers to come into the space and put more ad dollars into the space. And I'll link information on that because you can go way deep into that um, in the episode notes. Call Your Girlfriend was a part of the 2014 podcast boom, which saw an easier path um, for some of those podcasts for listeners during that time because of Serial and other things being released and a lot of people learning about podcasting. Here's another clip um, by Call Your Girlfriend talking about how much money they make from ads and what they feel you could take from it. How much
6: do podcast sponsorships pay? I don't know. It depends. <laughs> yeah.
5: I understand there's a wide range. How much does it cost to produce per episode? Well, you just heard eight to fifteen hours of Gina's time. So obviously, we're not being paid. We're not paying her <laughs> like an hourly rate. That yeah, she truly Gina, deserves. you should really redo your contracts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the answer in terms of production costs is really like the production cost at this point now that we've invested in equipment is our time, correct?
4: Yeah. Sometimes we rent a studio, like the mm. Huma Abedin interview that we did. You know, we rented a studio for that. We found a professional to record with Huma on site. They, the campaign took a photograph for us. So we had that. Um, we paid for transcription. I mean, there's some stuff for special, special episodes. We've shelled out a little more money just to make sure that it really pops for you guys. Do we want to answer how much your
5: podcast sponsorships pay?
6: Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on the CPM. I think we even have, like, different CPM, like, every week. So don't take less than $20 uh, <laughs> or something like that. I think it depends, like, how big your audience is or whatever. But because right. I've seen um, kind of, like, on our invoice list, like, even per week, like, it fluctuates how much money we make just depending on um, what ads were sold
5: and what the relationship with the advertiser. Is. Right. But, like, essentially, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe we don't want to say this on air, but, like, the, like, we're talking, like, you know, four figures to get onto our show minimum, right? Like, it's not like there's, like, a sponsorship for a couple hundred bucks. Oh, yeah. There's no, definitely.
6: Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And um, okay. and no one-offs. So. Right. Right.
0: One thing I wanted to talk about on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, I did a poll asking people who have co-hosts, do you have something written up saying who owns what if money came into the picture and, you know, so things wouldn't go sour quickly and the results were horrible. I want to say it was like 80%, 20% of people saying that they didn't have anything written up of like, you know, when money comes in or if an advertiser wants to come in and pay us $2,000 is it $1,000 and $1,000 or is it maybe 1300 and then 700 you know, does the person that's doing editing get paid more or have more of a say in the space? Like there's a lot of questions that I don't think people really consider and you know, you could already pre-discuss that. I mean, don't we all listen to Therapy for Black girls. Um, you can already have that settled out. So when those things come up, you're not all in the moment and emotional about trying to make those business decisions we've all seen the documentaries and the singing groups and rapping groups that split up because of money i mean even new edition like how old are they now and they're still having issues with trademarks and creating new names and things like a mess like if you haven't seen that that's something to kind of read up on because that still surprised me i would have thought they would have figured out some of their issues by now um There was a thing with podcasts that happened about trademarks and, you know, agreements and contracts and what needed to happen about that. And I'll talk about it a little bit um have you heard of shout out podcast network it's based out of london they had the first black podcast festival in london in 2017 in august the friend zone attended they were one of the bigger podcasts i want to say the brilliant idiots went also after the festival um it seemed like that's where things changed Shadow London was really a network to be on. I would say, like, it reminded me of the beginning of LSN with good buzz and good shows. And so, you know, that just takes, you know, a spark and, you know, the consistency to keep going. And it was becoming known as a network to get on in London because they were creating good shows by black people. But after the festival, the UK podcasts well, some of the UK podcasts that participated claimed they hadn't been paid. And then the shows that had the biggest buzz on the network either left or were disbanded a few weeks after the festival. This is a letter from Satya, who is a co-host of Melanin Millennials and talking about the breakup that happened. And this post is from a Twitter post and I will link to it in the episode notes so you can see like when this went down, it was all over Twitter. It was kind of crazy. This is from a tweet. That tweet is from September fifteenth, twenty seventeen. Um, the tweet says, "Hey congregation, sadly, I can no longer put off addressing what's been happening regarding the podcast. Um, so here goes." Satya here, co-creator and co-host, Melanin Millennials (parenthesis MM parenthesis) podcast. Following some of the revelations about the shoutout network. S-O-N, parentheses, from my fellow podcasters, I would like to provide my perspective and transparency, and transparency on how all this came to be. It's taken a lot for me to arrive at this point, the point where I have no choice but to put pen to paper in order to shout out the truth. I feel I owe it to our listeners, to our concerned supporters, and finally to myself as a route to moving on. As announced by the SON yesterday, they are no longer supporting Melanin Millennials, or to be more precise, no longer supporting the show with my involvement. Consequently, I have been removed from my position as co-host and denied my rights as co-creator. MM arose when my former friend and current CEO of SON, Emeril Morgan informally asked me to start a podcast with her in September slash October of 2015. I came aboard and we worked together on the format on our mission and I christened the show with its name. All were original ideas with no external input, and MRL was not affiliated with SON, but became its CEO months after MM's launch. I was also told that her boyfriend, Effie, founder of SON, was interested in curating a network of podcasts, and that MM would be the first attempt at this endeavor. All this was done on the basis of a verbal agreement prior to MM's launch that whatever we parenthesis, myself and MRL, parenthesis, created as MM was ours. That SON's role would be to record, distribute, and no contracts were signed until almost a year after MM's inception. On September 17th of August this year, I met Effie and MRL and was informed that and was informed that they would no longer go on with the show on the network. On the 22nd of August, I received an email morale stating her intention to continue with the show on the network with new hosts in a new format, something that had never been discussed with me. I also learned that SON had begun to look for my replacement. The biggest revelation, however, was that SON owned the trademark to the show and that they had done so without my knowledge and consent. They began that process on the 15th of September, 2016. As we were deciding on MM's future, parallel to the contract negotiations, I also have no access to all MM-related accounts. The past two years with Melon and Millennials, I have dedicated hours of my personal time to create content, record, and promote the podcast. And to do so, much of the behind scenes needed to make the podcast what it is today. I did this for not any personal gain, but because I believed in our mission of amplifying the voices of Black British Millennials, celebrating our work and openly discussing our challenges. I have loved being a part of Melanin Millennials and am deeply upset by not being afforded transparency, agency, and ownership as the podcast has grown. I cannot say what will happen next. I will say that I do intend to reclaim ownership of the content I created for the podcast. This is the first step of many telling you my story. I have enjoyed my time on MM. I am am incredibly proud of what I have achieved and regret that this has been cut short against my will. I want to thank all the listeners, well-wishers, and supporters of the podcast and my role in it since its inception. You are what has made this journey so exciting and fun. I have had the absolute privilege of meeting and interacting with some of you. I hope you will continue to support me and my journey as I determine what is next. Love to all the congregation, Satya, and she leaves her at, and of course, I'll link that in the episode notes. And so that podcast um, was one of the breakout hits that was the network to be on, and um, the two black women it was two black women in the uk talking about uk issues and pop culture and it was original i liked it And Mostly Lit is an example of one of the podcasts that left the network, but was able to sustain on their own and even grow bigger since leaving Shout Out. And so it was a couple of different, it was a few different podcasts that left the network at the time. They talked about trademark issues and then contracts, and there was a lot of confusion. And so that's kind of why I bring up agreements, because you could be starting something great. And then, you know, being that things aren't being discussed, you don't know how it's all going to come out or who's going to claim credit or what credit is. And so it's easier to just say right off, you know, this is what you own. This is what you have. And, you know, this is what I have. And let's talk about it. And Shout out, um, you know, the podcast network went on this year to have a podcast conference that was focused on women. Um, but because of the split in the podcast community, because of the things that happened with um, those podcasts and more, I wasn't able to find anyone who attended their conference to tell me how it was, but I did see pictures on the internet, and it did look like a fun time. They do have a few current podcasts running, like Be, and I will link that in the episode notes if you would like to check out the podcast on Shoutout Out London's um, Podcast Network. Also, Spotify chose them to run their program to kind of mirror the women of color Spotify event they did here, and they're running that in London unlike our side Renee from my last episode that you can see is someone to know in London and making her own space and also has the background in podcasting hasn't been reached out to and I would think with the smaller community of women of color in podcasting there that she would have been reached out to to be a part of it because on the United States side the teachers they brought in that were women of color they were you know some of the best in their field and able to come in there and say, you know, this is how I do what I do. So that's a little bit strange. So I hope that kind of changes on, you know, working with that, especially for Spotify, because it feels like something would be missing if Renee wasn't a part of that, especially if they're teaching women. And she's one of the most successful black women in podcasting in London. (laughs) To end this, we're talking about intellectual property. Here's a clip from a panel that Caitlin Thompson, who used to be with Acasted, talking about intellectual property. And of course, I'll link all these panels in the episode notes so that you can listen to the full thing. And these are more on the sponsorship post on my website under the Podcast and Color News, pods and colored, under Pods and Color News.
2: Just to say, what about IP? And um, am I selling out if I you know, give my podcast idea to someone else? And what does that mean? And, and Caitlin, I know we've had a lot of discussion around this. It's probably worth talking about that as a point. Um,
4: yep, it is. Um, like I said, Panoply does uh, something called the Pilot Project. WNYC did two competitions, one called the Bake Off um, obviously, we're here to talk about PodQuest. Um, it's not a matter of selling out. It is selling out, um, and that's okay. You should want to make money for your, for your craft. It's just a matter of how you think about um, what is an idea that you want to keep for yourself and not share the IP of, what is something that you're comfortable and you need a co-producer to be able to breathe life into something, and therefore the IP conversation is a little bit different. Um, the way that I would urge you to think about that is essentially what kind of idea do you have? Is this an idea that is going to exist for the next year but probably become replicable? And I'll use the same example that I did just now. Call Your Girlfriend, a show between two women on different coasts of America, is a show that's highly, highly replicable. They sold some of their IP when they went to a co-production agreement um, because they needed help making it. And it's also an idea that the IP is less valuable in this case because it is a replicable show. If you've got something that you have a book. Uh, I used to work with a guy named Stephen Dubner. He wrote a book called freaking you better believe Steven Dubner owns the IP to Freakonomics. So he in no way, shape, or form would ever sell any of it. For him, he wants to turn it into a book, a TV series, a movie pilot, um, multiple other shows. That was the right choice for him. I say this totally neutrally. You can and should sell out at the right moments. It's just a matter of what's an idea that you cannot execute without help, in which case it's worth considering, or what's an idea that you know that might never reach uh, full commercial potential or you don't need help to make it reach a full commercial potential, um, you know. And I think for me, it's again not a question of uh, is this good or bad. It's just more of a question of when. So after figuring out, you know, what you needed to do to get
0: ads, you've reached out and you maybe have an agency, you know, there's other things going on or you're like, hey, add whatever a thousand, uh, you know, a thousand an episode I was able to get an ad and I need to know what to do. I always want to make sure that people know about dynamic ad insertion. It's something most can do. It depends on where you're hosting. Here's a clip from the Wolfden explaining DAI and how it works. Let's
2: start with dynamic ad insertion. And we'll do a quick primer. And if you think I get any facts wrong, let me know. But traditionally, historically, all podcast ads were baked in, meaning they were in the recording of the file itself. When Mark Maron or when Marco Arment sat down at the microphone to record their shows, they would record their ads in there. And that's in the file that everybody downloads. And now some companies that are in the space are increasingly using dynamic ad insertion, which says, hey, let me insert an ad at specific points that somebody has marked in this episode at the time of download. Did that sound about right? Yeah. And so the idea basically is like when you have, you know, kind of the old way of doing things, every
5: download of the podcast gets the same set of ads, whether, you know, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, and no matter when they download the file, you know, they could download the file two years later when the advertiser has long since stopped paying for it. um, And, you know, they still have that same ad for a company from two years ago that might not even exist anymore. um, And then. With, with dynamic ad insertion, you're literally getting a, the ads spliced in on every download. So every download of the file can have different ads
2: in it uh, than any, than every other download, even to the same person. That's right. And typically, you know, the folks they are doing they are doing it for a couple of reasons, in my experience. Uh, I've been some some shows with DAI and some, many shows without. Um, but you know, you're doing DAI maybe so you can cap the downloads, right? If a show is so big, um, you know, it does two million downloads an episode, and nobody can afford to buy all two million, you can chunk it up into five hundred thousand downloads download chunks and sell it that way. You might be doing it so you can try to target by geo or by date range. So if it's a tune-in campaign for a TV show, say, hey, if it's between these three weeks, put this ad in and otherwise don't. Um, The way we chiefly use it most of the time is back catalog. So it's, if we can't get your ad in the newest episode of Comedy Bang Bang or My Favorite Murder, maybe, but you have a time sensitive ad, we can run it for everybody who downloads older episodes over the next X weeks.
0: And also, here's a clip from Caitlin Thompson explaining why you want to use DAI.
4: So the only, so the only thing I would tell you is don't bake in your ads. And the reason I tell you that is because you're going to have to edit them out at some point um, you can have any sort of ad served dynamically and I'm you know obviously work for a platform that does dynamic ad insertion but having worked and been friends with the serial team who had to go back and edit out MailChimp ads for hours and hours and hours uh, what I can tell you is there's almost no benefit in selling your show um, with a baked in ad because that ad will sit with your show forever after long after you've cashed the check from the advertiser and you don't make any new money for the people two years down the road who discover your show right?
0: DAI is interesting because this past week Welcome to Nightville ended their episode and it was episode 133 with three different ways using DAI and this is from Hotpod this quote and I'll of course link to Hotpod if you're not subscribed but it's a podcast newsletter and from here it says here's the deal are you sure? The podcast's 133rd episode features three different endings that are delivered to listeners at random. The team relied on dynamic insertion technology, the increasingly ambiguous podcast tool that up to this point had mostly been used for ads to build the experience. Quote Dynamic insertion is a fascinating technology to me. That different people can download different versions of an episode, quote, said Joseph Fink, co creator of Welcome to Nightville. When we spoke over the phone about the experiment a few weeks ago, quote, "It's kind of baffling that nobody's tried this before." Quote, the Nightville crew, whose ad sales are handled by PRX and whose podcasts are handled by PRX's dovetail platform, only created three endings because they were told that that was the maximum number the platform could reliably handle at this time. Isn't that interesting? And they were talking um, to the writers over at Hot Pod about that. And I just thought, wow. So, you know, you got to think about what dynamic ad ad insertion can do for ads. And then also, you know, what you could creatively do with it in the future with your podcast. You should really listen to the Wolfden episode because they talk about DAI and how what people can do with dynamic ad insertion and who they can push it to um, and what they can get down to when they're deciding what ad goes to what person. So just something more to be interested in if you're thinking about doing that, especially with bigger companies. Okay, so um, let's talk about premium because there are some people that have premium. I've talked a lot of mess about Stitcher Premium. Um, And so let's go into what it means to kind of be on Stitcher Premium. And this is from the Wolf Den Podcast, which is hosted on Stitcher.
2: There are shows that are small right now. That we can't make incredibly lucrative offers to on the ad sales side because you know if your show in quotes only reaches uh, thirty thousand downloads an episode, uh, what our ad sales can do for you is limited. But if we can bundle in a premium component, so you can tell people, by the way, you can hear a bonus episode uh, twice a month if you sign up for Stitcher Premium. We give you a cut because whoever you you know it's based on effectively how many people are listening to your things, but you get a cut of the premium revenue and we get a cut of the premium revenue, obviously, and then typically Apple also does. And if we can set things up uh, so that you're getting extra sources of income, we feel like that's good for podcasting, right? It's it's finding more ways to entertain the folks who are so engaged that they wanna, are willing to pay more to listen. And it's finding extra revenue sources, more predictable and recurrent revenue sources than ads that are maybe a little bit more immune to uh, you know um, what's going on with the economy or what ad sale, ad buyer whims are and that sort of thing.
0: So that kind of gives you a breakdown of why they would say, you know, to join premium, especially for smaller shows, Stitcher hosts shows like LeVar Burton reads, and you can get access to episodes like a week early or a few days early. If you're a subscriber, Um, they also have fruit that was done by Issa Rae. And that was a fictional podcast that was based on a football player that I believe was by. And so if you look um, on Apple Podcasts, fruit has the first season there. But if you want to hear the second season, that is only behind the premium wall for stitcher and um coming out this week which is on september the 12th um, stitcher premium will be adding a new black show called culture genius which is done by um the women over at black joy mixtape and i'll play that clip here
3: What's up? This is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz the King of the South. And you might know us
0: from our other podcast, The Black Joy Mixtape. Hey, what do you do? Ow. Um, but we have a new show called Culture Genius, culture Genius a black as fuck game, game show. Jasmine and I bring guests into the studio every week and we ask
6: some questions that, you know, some of them you might know, some of them are myth, but they let us
0: know more about Black culture and Black communities in general. I do hope you support the Culture Genius podcast. That was a good small preview. And as I said, I'll link the entire preview in the episode notes. And with the clip we heard about Stitcher Premium, we know what it takes for a good podcast to do well on Stitcher Premium. So I do hope that you go and support Culture Genius. I will be doing that. I want to hear what the podcast is about. And that's starting on Culture Genius. will be starting on September the 12th. Zane also has a fictional podcast coming out um, on coming out called purple panties and this is a show on stitcher premium also and um i don't have a clip from the zane purple panty show but if i do get one in the future i will share that with you all I do have podcast consulting, so if you want to go deeper into any of these subjects, um, feel free to look at podcastandcolor.com. The consulting link is in the menu or on the top of the page, depending on if you're on mobile or on your computer. This episode was just kind of going over podcast tips I see all the time and I wish people knew about or knew deeper about. So if you do want to go deeper, we can have conversations. As I said, I do have podcast consulting up on the site and I will see you in about a week and a half. I will be on time. For the next episode, and that's on the 22nd. And I do have a guest for that episode that will be Favi Fab from the Latinos to Lunch podcast. And I'm excited about our interview, so I hope to see you on the 22nd when I publish this podcast. And of course, um, you can ask me any questions, use Pods and Color Pod. You can at me on Twitter and ask me questions. You can send me emails and ask me questions. I do respond, even though it takes me forever on an email. If you liked this episode and the information shared, please feel free to let me know um, so I can know if you want to do more things like this. I think I might do smaller podcast tip episodes for Patreon. So something I'm thinking about, let me know if it helped. Let me know if it didn't help at all.